0: You the adventurer, yes you, do you desire knowledge of immense worlds and arcane power, a codex of untold stories and lore, or perhaps simply easy listening for your daily commute? Then feast your eyes, or more accurately, ears, upon Dungeonpedia. Shit's about to
1: get nerdy in here.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dungeonpedia, an exploration into the lore of Dungeons & Dragons. We're your hosts, Lou and Markel, Taylor Stanfield,
2: and I'm Travis Peasley. And I have a little bit different of an uh, episode here.
0: Oh, yay!
1: I will start by saying that we thought, because um, Travis
0: floated this by me. and <laughs> He I, did not float this by me, because um, we don't live together. This yeah. is true. And I realized that sounded bitchier <laughs> than I meant it to. Yeah, it's, it's literally just because
2: we don't live it's together. It's just easier for me to float stuff by Taylor because we, I
0: am
1: often in uh, same if not close room. Exactly. Um, so uh Travis floated this by me and I thought it sounded really cool and I'll I'll admit I was like maybe we should pull the Twitter and see if people would be interested in this, but um his previous thing Mm. that he was looking at ended up falling through for, uh, not permanently, but one of those things where you bite off more than you can chew and you got to push it back a little further, you know, stuff we've talked about before before happening. Yeah, Yeah. which
2: it just, I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to get this done before we can record, so I scrapped it.
1: And we got closer and closer to crunch time for research. So we just went ahead and did it. And yeah. I, I, I will say before we start, I don't think it's ba- like a bad idea. I really don't. And I, I hope that you guys enjoy it too.
2: I hope so too. And it's more like I'm kind of just concerned on exactly how to present everything with this. So my presentation of it might be a little lacking, which I apologize for. But, well, I mean,
0: and it's like for for shit like this, it's like when you want to do something new, like you don't always know if it's gonna work until like you do it.
2: Yeah, because I can't, I couldn't follow the same format that I do with all my other research
1: for reasons that will become apparent very soon. Like yeah.
2: now, because I'm doing not lore of the Dungeons and Dragons please game don't, itself. I know you
0: heard not lore, but please hang out for a second.
2: I decided that I was going to do the media history of Dungeons & Dragons when it comes to video games.
1: It started first with all of media.
2: Then I figured out I can't do that because there's a lot. Travis. I counted and there's upwards of a hundred games alone. That have been licensed for Dungeons & Dragons. That's not counting all the ones that just use the D20 system that I could cover.
0: I will tell you, the
2: cats sound very
0: excited for it.
2: Yes, the cat's very clingy today.
0: (laughs)
1: Sorry, again, we're... We we have methods in place to keep them happy
0: and distracted while we're not in the room with them. But sometimes it's just not enough. Yeah.
2: They're just too clingy.
0: Taylor, I'm sure he'll behave. No. no. I'm sure he won't walk on the table and knock everything over and get in the way. He will That is exactly what he would do. All of those no, things. No, he's going to sit in my lap nice and politely for the next hour. I no. promise. He told me. He's a liar. Don't believe him. Oh, boy. He wouldn't lie to me. Is that the face of a liar? Yes.
2: Yes, I love the boy, but he can be a mess sometimes. Anyway, just like me. <laughs> so we're doing Video-bames. video games. Video games, <laughs> which is very different compared to literally everything we've done so far. Yeah, it is, and I'm. I mean, honestly, is that? I, it's an interactive storytelling media. Yeah, but it's not lore as far as the. It's game not goes. like
1: we're delving into the lore behind each. Okay, of the I'm games. sorry.
0: I just wanted to be a smartass. I'm sorry. It's okay. But, yeah.
1: Like I, I, I see what you're saying, and like that's one of the reasons why I thought it was a good idea because, like, no, it's not di- directly about lore. But that's okay. We've it's, talked about, like, games, like, systems and stuff like that before. It's
2: real-world lore. Yeah, it's still a part of Dungeons & Dragons. <laughs> also known as history. <laughs> history, yes. Mm, mm, I like <laughs> real-world lore better. I mean, we can call it both. That's fine.
1: Also, Travis is still, still, mind you, recovering
0: from the being sick.
2: sickness that I got during Christmas. It's mostly just the cough and...
0: Yeah, all the nasty
2: mucusy stuff now, but, you know. That
0: make it just inconvenient to listen to. But, it's you know. Horrible. It's less inconvenient to actually record because, you know, you can like sit up. True. And you're not in crazy amounts of pain.
2: This is very true. So, so take what we can get, I suppose. So, going into it, we Okay, I guess first of all, like I said, there were I counted upwards of a hundred different games. Obviously, I can't go into everyone unless you want to sit here and listen to me rattle off. Game name, developer, console, year. Game name, developer, console, year. I just, that sounds incredibly boring. Yeah, it would
0: get real dull after like five minutes. We can just make this like a 20 part (laughs) episode series. You're You're just locked into doing this for the next like year and a half.
2: Depending on how people receive it, if they want more, fine we'll we'll see. So what I did was I kind of just started at the beginning, took a little bit of like information from s- some of the games from like the very early licensing that mm-hmm. they got. Talked about going to talk about the games a little bit and then kind of just continue on with various questions or anything if you guys like have a question about it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like an open formatting Type of episode. Type of episode.
1: And I will say, like, if you want to, like, look up a list, they do exist. And we'll probably link them on our Twitter, honestly. um, Because how many games were there again? Mm, Over 100?
2: About 100, if not a little bit more.
1: Yeah. So, like, it's a very extensive list. So if you want to look it
2: up, go for it. Go for it. So the first thing that I found was the very first thing that was officially licensed for Dungeons & Dragons were actually made by Mattel for mm. the Intellivision console system which was released in 1979. Mm. The Intellivision system was short for Intellectual Television. Right. or Intelligent Television.
1: I'm sure some of our older <gasps> listeners probably remember yes. this and actually <laughs> I I never played with one but and I, I know I've told Travis personally this before but my grandfather was a big fan of collecting old game systems from when like, th- when they released, he would have them, yeah. and he would just keep them forever. And I vaguely remember that he might have had one.
2: Yeah, which now that I think about it, we probably should have had Jacoby as our guest on this one because he actually collects the old video games and old systems and stuff. Oh, okay.
0: Let me call him real quick. and mm-hmm.
2: While he's at work. While he's
0: at work. <laughs> hey, you need to leave work early. <laughs> just come do this yeah, with us. Yeah, no. Also precursor to smart TVs. Oh, a little bit, yeah. Hmm. I mean, that's a joke, just because of the name,
2: but... (sighs) He's so... He's like,
0: Dad, I love video (laughs) games. Anyway. Dad, tell me more about video games.
2: The game was originally just called Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, and it was released in 1982. It was later changed to Advanced Dungeons & Dragons Cloudy Mountain, because they then were releasing a sequel called Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, Treasure of Tarmon.": Cool. It was a very, I mean, for as early as it was, a very basic game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Both of them kind of ran off of sort of the same thing. Uh, the plot for the first one, basically, you navigated a series of randomly generated rooms and corridors, trying to obtain various items like uh, keys to pass gates... Boats to pass rivers and axes to get through forests.
1: Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like a pre-roguelike roguelike.
2: Kind of. Just if you died, you didn't start with anything. You just started over. Right. Uh, Your main weapons were just arrows. Like Hmm. You could pick up other smaller weapons, but it was mostly you shooting arrows and you could pick up more arrows. The whole goal was to gather two pieces of something that was called the Crown of Kings and restore it. Cool. Which they were found at the Cloudy Mountains, mm-hmm. and Makes sense. both pieces were protected by dragons.
1: Cool. Yeah, I mean <clears throat> you're with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I w- want to take this opportunity to pause and say that Travis immediately looked up this video game.
2: Oh, I did.
1: And bought it off of eBay.
2: I <laughs> was curious because I was like, "It's really old. I wonder if anyone's selling it." Turns out, it's not that expensive. It was like huh. twenty bucks. In good condition. I was like, you know what? I don't even collect old video games, but I want this one because it's a piece of D&D history and, well, you're listening to this, so.
0: Be careful, though. That's how, like, collecting obsessions start. That is. And I'm nervous. (laughs) See, Taylor, see, that's what (laughs) Taylor can have her miniatures and you can have old, like, pieces of D&D history. History. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say old video games, but Jacoby already has old video games. Sure.
1: And everyone knows two friends can't have the same collection.
0: Clearly. Yeah, yeah, no. And I have waifu statues, if anyone's curious. I don't.
1: Anyway.
2: <laughs> so, Treasure of Tormen mm-hmm. was different in several ways, but the biggest was the fact that it was actually in first-person view as Ooh. compared to Cloudy Mountain, which was like... Top overhead. down, yeah.
1: right. When was a uh, Treasure like, of Tarman released? Like 2D Zelda, kind
0: of.
2: Uh, Treasure of Tarman, which now that I'm looking, I did not write it down. Give me a second. Well, I didn't write it down in this particular portion. Portion of notes. So now I have to go back through and find whatever I did with that.
0: Oh wait, wait, wait. Was it like? Was it like Doom?
2: <sighs> I, that's exactly. What but I actually, swear. kind of. Yes. It actually was very similar to. Like doom styled.
0: Like where you um you know what I mean? Like you're you're in this uh screensaver yeah. looking you y'all know what I'm talking about. Even if you don't know, you know. Yeah, even if you don't know, you know. That screensaver where like it, it pregenerates that and it like goes around until you run into like that one and then yeah, that' Uh
2: Except 1983 and was the treasure of Tarman.
0: Oh, that's when Return of the Jedi came out.
1: So, this was, was this the first, it couldn't have been the first first person, was Game?
2: It? No, I don't think so. As a whole, no. I'm pretty sure it wasn't for...
1: Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and though. Dragons
2: it was, because this was literally the, like, second licensed game. Yeah. Yeah. But this one, your whole goal was instead of, like, traveling through the vast... <clears throat> world of, like, rivers and forests and to the Cloudy mountains. mountains, yeah. You yeah. were in a multi-layered dungeon, and the whole point was to get to the bottom of it to the minotaur that was guarding the treasure of Tarman.
0: Okay, I was going to make a joke about a minotaur, and then, like, it, that was just what it actually was. Yep. Mm-hmm. Did it also feature Dwayne the Rock Johnson? Like Doom? Uh, No. Like the movie? No. Okay.
2: At least not that Damn. I'm aware of, anyway.
0: Dang. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> That is kind of fun, though. That's very innovative of them, I feel like. Yeah. That they made, like, this first, like, top-down, you know, one, and then they got to the second game, and they were like, let's make it, like, first-person.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And this one was first-person in the sense that, like, you were looking at first-person, the walls were... Your walls. Coming, like, you know, sliding behind you as you walked. Yeah, like that one-point perspective, kind of. Okay. So Anyway. (laughs) But these two games... Were only mentioned separately because they actually had nothing to do with like the settings, like the campaign settings or anything for Dungeons and Dragons. They were kind of like their own thing thing that were just licensed by Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. So the first one that actually dealt with settings and stuff was called Pool of Radiance. No, oh, I've heard of this one.
0: I don't know much about it, but I've heard the
2: name.
1: Yeah, um, actually when Travis began looking it up, he thought it was the first.
2: I thought it was the first and then I found out, nope, it was the other two that were the technical first. But this one actually was a series started with The Pole of Radiance, which was in 1988. Then you had Curse of the Azure Bonds, 1989, Secret of the Silver Blades, 1990, and then The Poles of Darkness, 1991. And these were all set in the Forgotten Realms Yay. campaign setting.
1: That's where favorite is. That's my favorite.
2: Yep. Uh, these were all developed by Strategic Simulations, Inc., SSI.
1: Was that in any re- way related to TSR?
2: Um, I believe they were related just in the sense that they were the first company that TSR licensed okay. the game to. I didn't actually look into SSI, like, as far as it was founded by a war game enthusiast.
0: I mean, surprise, surprise. <laughs> right? right? What's the T on SSI? You know? Hmm. Like, did did they have problems with, like... Okay, they, they literally just entered a partnership and acquired a license with okay. so okay. okay.
2: So, not directly related to, but they had a pretty big partnership because they produced a lot of the early games for Dungeons & Dragons. Well, that's pretty cool. Uh, they were for home computers, and Pool of Radiance was actually the only one that they ported to the NES a little bit later. Not actually sure why they didn't port the other ones, but... Maybe they just didn't do Not well. as profitable. Probably.
0: Yeah, like, it probably, at that point, might have been more effort than it was worth, yeah. sales-wise. Also, the use of the word home computer is so charming. I right? know. Remember, remember those days, guys?
2: The home computer.
0: Yeah. Barely, but yes.
2: And yeah. this DOS and... Yeah. Oh, all the other fun things that involve that. I do remember them.
0: You know, I vaguely. all of our younger... Well, see, I say that. Do do any young people listen to this? Tweet us and tell us how old you are and do your homework. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Jesus.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm just... I'm legitimately curious. I No, I know. I am too. We're going to put a survey up. Go fill out your demographics. No, we're not, mm-hmm. but... I am kind of curious if there's people who, like, legitimately don't remember that, though. Like, don't remember the family computer. And, like, okay, you can go play on this for, like, 30 minutes, but then you have to, you know, stop. Yeah. And then you're in the middle of playing and somebody makes a phone call, you <laughs> and know? Then
2: it disconnects you. Yeah. Dial-up.
0: Oh, man. Nostalgia.
2: I got chills. So, each game was a literal continuation of the last... Okay. In the line. Um, the cool thing was these actually allowed you to transfer your characters. <gasps>
0: oh from my God. The
2: previous game over to the next one.
0: No, that's amazing.
2: I, that is
1: really fucking cool. So, provided
2: that you started with Pull of Radiance in 1988, by the time Pulls of Darkness came around, if you played all of them, you could have your original characters that you made. From the Pole of Radiance, playing in Poles of Darkness. <gasps> <Okay>. Shepard!
1: So, <laughs> okay, so I don't know if... Um, that's crazy. I don't know if I may, may be missing a piece of like video game history that P- video game enthusiasts are going to like tweet at us. And that's fine. Just tell us if I am. Um, but that feels like maybe one at least one of the first games that gave you that option
2: i feel like it might be an early example
1: example of, that. Example of
2: it maybe not the first but i do feel like it's probably pretty early especially because it was 1988
1: yeah, yeah that's insane like to
2: 91 because like.
1: i've heard of games recently having trouble with like uh save game imports i mean recently in the grand scheme of things meaning like 10 in the past 10 years but still
2: yeah so i thought that that was actually really cool and they kept this ability for some of the future games as well that's great yeah um obviously each game has a different plot line like they're continuations in the sense that take pull of radiance you have the party that starts off in the city of flan and then in curse of the azure bonds it actually notes that the pcs are adventures of great renown Nice. Nice, nice. And then Secret of the Silver Blades, the party is summoned by desperate miners to help their town. That's really fucking cool. And then the Pools of Darkness has the party starting back in Flan for a diplomatic mission that turns into a whole, like, save Feyrune from this evil sorcerer questline... yada yada ...thing. I love it. So that was actually kind of really cool. I didn't think that they even had the ability to implement that so early on but nice. all of these were actually like very well received by the community and by critics they were pretty well liked especially for early on games
0: mhm mhm
2: like SSI did a good job on them
1: good job SSI a plus
2: and then you had a game called Hillsfar it's Hillsfar l- it's literally spelled hills far
0: interesting hills comma far
2: Yeah, just without the comma.
0: These hills are far away, (laughs) and they have
2: eyes. Um, And they're alive with music. It was another game made by SSI that was released in 1989, so kind of in conjecture with Curse of the Azure Bonds. Mm -hmm. It was actually released before Curse of the Azure Bonds, but it wasn't a part of that storyline. It was a whole Mm -hmm. separate game on its own. Yeah. Uh, But it still allowed you to transfer your characters from Pool of Radiance, Okay. Or it actually had the ability to allow you to transfer characters from Curse of the Azure Bonds had you played that one Mm -hmm. before playing this one. The only difference is the characters wouldn't keep their levels or items. Not same storyline or anything. You could keep your characters. It's just they go back to base level. They lose their items.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: So you could not necessarily like... The greatest thing in that aspect, because I mean, you might as well just remake the characters if that's the case, but if you don't want to go through the character creation and just transfer the cop the files over,
1: or maybe you're just a really big fan of your
2: character, or maybe that, yeah, um, this game was reviewed for I'm sorry, was reviewed in dragon magazine one forty seven They actually had a whole column for a lot of the dragon magazines that were uh crap, what were they called? Now I have to look it up, because I made a note of that before I went to bed, and it was only in my mind.
1: Happens. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was tired.
1: It, yeah.
2: Where is it?
1: And just for, like, Lewin can remove this, um, if she wants uh, personal mm-hmm. stuff. Like, keep in mind that Travis did all of this while also keeping an eye on me, because he was worried about me being very sick.
2: This Happened. is true, too. Uh, They had a column called The Role of Computers, where they basically reviewed a lot of computer games that were coming out at that time. Not specifically Mm -hmm. Dungeons & Dragons ones, just various ones.
0: The Role of Computers? (laughs) Oh my
2: god. Uh, (laughs) Jesus. I'm sorry. Um, They gave it a 3 out of 5 stars. Respectable. Uh, It kind of just went into explaining that while it was not a sequel that everyone was waiting for... Uh, it was still a very good game, and they recommended it if they if people wanted to use it to pass the time waiting for Curse of the Azure Bonds. <laughs> oh. So it was like, it's not the sequel that we were all wanting, but it's still really good. Play it while you wait for the sequel.
1: Hey, you know what? That's a lot kinder and a lot, like, <sighs> more respectable than a lot <laughs> of video game reviews that yeah. disappoint uh fucking today. Like that's yeah. true.
2: So I uh have a question for you two. No. Yes. This was released in nineteen eighty-nine. How much do you think it cost? One million dollars. Um like at the time. I'll go
0: with you know what? I'm gonna highball it just because
1: I know that video games didn't used to cost as much, although I don't have proper figures in my head. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with thirty dollars. One dollar.
2: Price is right, rolls. <laughs> Price is right rules. Taylor still wins. Yay! Oh dang! Oh no! Because it was actually thirty nine
0: ninety five. Okay, when it released. Okay, you know what? I should have said my actual guess because my actual guess in my brain was forty dollars. But I decided you still would have gone over. Price is right rules. Oh fuck! I yeah. still won a lot, but I wanted to make a joke. <laughs> I would have been like, kind of mm, whatever. <laughs> I just want everyone to know I was right.
2: <laughs> mm, <laughs> nope.
0: <laughs> You, you're you the one who yelled "Price's Right rules. Yeah, so. I was foiled by my own rules. Damn it.
2: So the next one that I uh, pulled up was called Champions of Kryn, which I believe we've mentioned Kryn a little bit. Mm, I don't mm, think we have. sure. No? I know who has, though. Okay, well, maybe it was just I've come across the name in my research thing, because I recognized it. I don't know a whole lot about it, but I did recognize the name. But um, another SSI title. Uh, it was the first of a three-part series for the Dragonlance campaign setting.
0: Ooh. Ah.
2: Oohs and ahs all around. Thank oh. you.
0: Was it, like, Kryn? Like K-R-Y-N-N. Kryn? The Kryn Dynasty? That's from Critical Role? Oh. Well, not f- not from Critical Role, but... but it was it referenced was... in okay, Critical so Role. Okay, so
2: that actually might be why I'm aware of it, then. Yeah. That's probably where he got it from. It's also from the part of Critical Role that I haven't watched yet.
0: Because I'm a bad fan. It's okay. Uh,
2: this one was released in
0: 1990. Nice.
2: <clears throat> and much like all the ones that have been released now, almost all of them up to a certain point were all just released for the computer.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: The NES and everything didn't quite have like the processing power Mm-hmm. For the way that they wanted the games to run, they probably could have made them work. Like work just made them a little more simple, but
1: yeah, I mean, when you're basically making a video game based off of a tabletop RPG with infinite choices, it's kind of hard to program <laughs> infinite yeah. choices into limited yeah. processing power.
0: And plus, like we mentioned, with um, nothing being ported after pools of radiance, it might just not have been
2: profitable. Yeah, that at a certain point, also. So this one actually featured support for the joystick or a mouse, which the other wow. ones didn't. It was mostly keyboard only. Mm-hmm. I I don't know what the impact of playing with a joystick or a mouse had specifically. So, but it featured support for them. I guess if you wanted to.
1: That's basically what it amounted to. Is a lot of like early computer gaming. A lot of people used a joystick, and a lot of people really like. Like having a joystick, and it was basically just a, look, you can play with a joystick. It's just another factor that would be appealing to people.
0: Yeah, kind of like how being able to um, play with certain peripheral controllers today. Yes. Like, I've I've heard people talk about how they didn't buy, they passed up on buying certain games from the Nintendo Switch just because they didn't, well, not just because, but they didn't. They didn't support the use of the um, Pro Controller, which is a very good controller, in my opinion. Yeah. But, like, so, like, that's not... That makes sense to me. Yeah, like, um, my father, actually,
1: his preferred method of gaming for a really long time was a joystick. Really? Yes. Um, And then after that, it was (laughs) keyboard and mouse, to the point where now when my father plays on... Uh, consoles. He gets specific. He will play games where he can specifically have keyboard
0: and mouse hookups on the the console. My oh, Yeah, like everybody has different. I stuff mean, that's that I like fair to play enough. Video games with. So I can see why that would be a
2: big deal to some people. Right. And actually, I don't know why I put this so far down in the notes about Champions of Kryn, but there is a reason why this sounded familiar to me, and might ring some. Bells? Bells for you guys. Probably not. So it was followed by the game Death Knights of Kryn in 1991, and then the Dark Queen of Kryn in 1992. Uh, and Death Knights of Kryn, Lord Soth, is actually the big bad. Okay. So huh. the Kryn was where Lord Soth actually came from. Interesting. Okay. Uh this the champions of crin actually featured a yell option
0: a mm. yell option. Yes. I love when video games do that,
2: <laughs> so it was an option to basically taunt enemies to attack you. oh, you would just yell at them, and like it pretty much said it would make them mad enough that the enemies would turn to attack you
1: like okay, real life yelling
2: I think like you would yell at your <clears throat> like. I think they would, like, say certain phrases when you click the button to yell.
1: Okay, okay, not like you yell at your controller and there's <clears throat> okay. a microphone yeah, sensor. No, See, it, that's what I thought.
2: No, it had an actual, like, button to cause your character to yell to just haunt the enemies. Okay,
1: because I was like, that's some fucking Nintendo DS era, like... Weird peripheral. Hey, yeah. you
2: Pikachu.
0: Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> no. <sighs> If it was that way, though, I would imagine so many kids getting in trouble. (laughs) They'd just be playing. They'd be like, come at me, fucko! And their mom would be like, excuse me?
2: What did you just say? I'm just taunting, mom. It's part of the game. My God, mom, let me game. Come at me, scrub lord. I'm fucking ripped! (laughs) So this was actually something that I found really cool. Another sort of, like, unique... Edition that this game had that mm-hmm. I'm not sure if other games of this era had it, but the game came with an adventures journal that throughout it had like just kind of like general tips and hints for playing the game, but it also had journal entries and like tavern tales and oh whispers so- and stuff that the game would direct you to read from when oh you hit a God. certain
0: point. It had lore it had a codex yeah Yeah, so
2: the game would basically be like you hear this you hear the stories from the tavern and it would say go to page 16 of the adventures journal and the whisper would be there like the story of what you heard would be there oh my god i love it that's dope um it was just that was a really cool thing that i no, i that's super dope. yeah i really like that and this one actually included hill and mountain dwarves as PC races. Nice. nice. Which was also kind of cool. The next thing I have, I have three more things that I have kind of noted about and we might or might not get to, kind of depends. But the next one involves uh, one of our favorite enemies that we have talked about so far. The Beholder.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. Beholders oh. are okay, I guess. <laughs>
2: I know. I only said that because the most uh, recent Beholder episode was...
0: Disgusting?
2: Disgusting and amazing.
0: No, I do I do really like Beholders. But also, you said that, and we've talked about, like, so many. I was thinking Vecna, I was thinking Aseric. Oh, man. I just, like, is... I just like, rapid-cycled through, like, all of them that we talked about, and I just drew a blank. I, I do
2: actually have something for Strahd, too.
0: (gasps) Oh, my boy!
2: Uh, But we'll get to all these after our break. Damn it! Yeah, trap check. Fuck off.
0: Well, now you have to talk about Strahd. You've locked yourself in.
2: We'll see. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to this very different episode.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I'm enjoying
2: it so far. This game-enriched history-enriched Real-life lore. Real-life lore. A
0: real-life lore podcast.
2: Um, if you like the podcast, please consider contributing to our Patreon, which is just Dungeonpedia. Yeah. Uh, they're just two tiers up right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but but everything helps and just goes into trying to make this a better podcast. Yeah.
2: Sorry, we do have to interrupt everything as always. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but if you are interested, real quick, we do have our actual play podcast. It's called Projectile Dysfunction. It features us and our friend Jacoby and. You can follow the Twitter for that
0: one, at ProjectileCast. You can also follow us on Twitter for Dungeonpedia things at Dungeonpedia. We also have an Instagram under the same name. And uh, for any episode suggestions or feedback, which we would really particularly appreciate on this episode, you can email us at Dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com.
2: Yes, please give us feedback on this episode, if anything. In particular. This in particular. One. I mean, feedback in general is nice.
0: Yes. But since we're doing something a little different this time, we'd like to hear what you guys think.
1: If you haven't already, you can subscribe wherever you can subscribe to a podcast, to this one, and you will get notifications on new episodes, and it's also just a handy little directory to have all of our podcasts in one, or all of our podcast episodes in one place.
2: Yeah, It's useful. (laughs)
1: Yes, and on some of those, you can rate and review us, which we would so appreciate, especially on iTunes. We've already gotten several, and they, like, make me cry, actually. They're they're so
2: lovely, They are so lovely, I... I cry every day. Occasionally go and read them again just because I can.
0: And Sometimes it feels good.
2: It does feel good. It,
0: it's weird. It feels good to be appreciated so and, and have validated. people enjoy the things that you create.
2: It's weird. I wonder why that is. So thank you to everyone who has already done so. And if you haven't and you wish to, we Please. also wish thank that you, you do.
1: Yes. Yeah. And also, if you have a friend that you think would enjoy this or you think would just maybe benefit enjoy from having this knowledge... This knowledge Tell them about it. Spread the word.
2: Yeah, that's going to help us probably more than anything else, honestly. yeah, for sure. Word of mouth is very powerful, and we will use it as much as we can.
0: Yes. Almost as much as we use the song Blacksmith by Alexander Nakarata. because that's our intro and outro song. Almost as much. Almost as much. Almost as much. (laughs) Because we do use that twice. Twice an episode. Twice an episode. So thank you, Alexander. Yes. But
1: until... You know, the end of the episode when you hear... (laughs) When you hear that again. And where we will all be thanking him for the beautiful sounds. Let's get back to the podcast.
2: Yes, I have more to tell.
1: Okay. All
2: right. All right. Yeah. All right. Tell us more. Eye of the Beholder.
1: I do remember the first time we stumbled upon this because it was playing in our living room.
2: Yes, I had come across it in... Something I was researching probably during the first Beholder episode, and I found videos of people playing it. So I wanted to look at it to see what it was like. It's old, but looked kind of fun. Uh, This one was actually developed by Westwood Associates and then published by SSI. Okay. So SSI still published it, it was just developed by a different company. Not Um, uncommon. Yeah, not uncommon.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
2: It was published in 1991. It was originally released for the computer, and then there was later a port to the Amiga, the Sega CD, and the SNES. I'll admit I'm not sure what the Amiga is.
1: Yeah, because I definitely am just thinking of... It was ported
2: to your female friend.
0: Yeah. Uh, I have heard of that before, but I have no idea what it is.
2: Okay, Amiga is actually just another type of computer, it turns out. Oh. It's a type of personal computer introduced by Commodore in
0: 1985.
2: Okay. So it's just another brand of computer.
0: Okay. Good
2: to know, Fair I guess. I, I'm not sure why they specifically
0: They wanted it to be your friend.
2: Yeah. They gave Amiga. it a different
0: they gave it a different name so it sounded
2: like friendlier. Like this computer is your friend. Yeah.
0: <laughs> my computer is my friend.
2: Um like a lot of other game so far it is a part of a trilogy you had the eye of the beholder eye of the beholder 2 the legend of dark moon and then eye of the beholder 3 assault on myth draenor okay um forgotten realms campaign setting and it actually starts off in Waterdeep.
0: yay
2: do you guys have any thoughts on who the big bad is for this one
0: Great beholder the great mother
2: I mean, it is a beholder, but there's a certain name that I know I have talked to you guys about before. I mean... In Waterdeep.
0: Is it the
1: beholder that snuck in? Oh, I forget. his name was a name?
0: Yeah, his name was a name that we haven't talked... But that was like episode nine. (laughs) Xanathar. Thank you. Xanathar you know, oh, the he wrote
2: leader the, of the thieves guild that yeah. lived in the sewers and below. And
1: also
0: he did And also a,
2: Xanathar's guide to everything. I'm
0: yeah, so a guide to everything.
2: True. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah,
0: Xanathar. That
2: guy. Hey, yeah. points to me
0: for remembering a name, though. I mean, true. Vicrispa is a
2: the Crispa. That the is crispa a very
0: crisp name. She is a prominent beholder, so like props to me for remembering. Yes, True.
2: they were also pretty well received. Oh, I sorry, I actually forgot. Um, Champions of Kren. Mm-hmm. I don't actually think I told you the initial cost of that game when it came $1 out was actually forty nine ninety five. Damn. So it actually increased. Dang. I just saw that and was like, oh, I skipped over that, but. Uh, part one and two were reviewed in Dragon Magazine, so Eye of the Beholder and then The Legend of Dark Moon, mm-hmm. respectively, 171 and then 179 Dragon Magazine issues. Mm-hmm. They both received five star ratings. Ooh. Like everyone Blowing. loved mm-hmm. Eye of the Beholder games. Loved the first two, anyway. Uh oh. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, so they're all based on, at this point in time,. Advanced Dungeons and Dragons 2nd edition. Mm -hmm. Right. There was Software Publishers. Wow. Software.
0: Take it again. Talking
2: is hard. Software Publishers Association released a newsletter in April 1991 with a list of like the top MS DOS games. Mm -hmm. And Eye of the Beholder was number one. Nice. And this is, unfortunately, the last time that any game from SSI would make the number one rating.
0: Oh, no. They
2: kind of didn't go downhill completely after this, but... They didn't crash and burn, but it was like a slow decline. Yeah, it was like a slow decline. Okay. There were 12 Beholder bonuses in the first game that you could access by completing, like, a special activity or a series of special activities. Oh, I love bonuses. I didn't even look to see what the bonuses were, but I was like, I kind of want to keep that a secret, like to myself. Mm-hmm. Not that I really plan on playing the game, but if I ever do. So then you like get one and you're like, whoa. Yep. The That's difficulty with these came in the sense that you had a party of four, but when you were fighting, it was real time. Huh. Like it was, you Not had to. turn base? It was not turn-based. You had to, like, click on the portrait of one character, click the attack, click on another, click on the attack, oh, click on another, no. find a spell. Oh, no, 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 no. All yeah. the while, the enemies are either still approaching you or attacking you all at the same time. Was it,
0: like, an ATB kind of thing? ATB. Well, like, like with an ATB gauge, active time battle. Like, I'm thinking very, um like, Final Fantasy VIII is my vision of that. Because, you know, like the the enemies mm. could move and attack while you were selecting your attacks. So even though you went like, you know, here's Squall's action. Yeah. You know, like it's it's yeah, still, it was not still attacking you.
2: Yeah, it would yeah, they would still attack you when you were clicking through frantically all I mean, of your characters to attack. That's what I am gonna assume.
0: Yeah. It was like, probably. Probably. It was like a some of those mid-Final Fantasy games. I love Final Fantasy.
2: They are good games. I,
0: I, You know what? I went, like, almost 40 minutes without referencing Final Fantasy, <laughs> though. Be proud of me. I am. Thank you.
2: Um. <laughs> so, by the time the assault of Myth Draenor came out, Westwood had been taken over by another company. So, that one was developed and published in-house by SSI. That one, however... Oh, no. Was not received as well as the first two. Was it, like, actually bad? It was pretty bad. Oh, Oh, no. um, The Dragon Magazine did not review this one in any of their issues.
0: Oh, it was so bad they didn't even review
2: it. (laughs) Yeah, there was a review from GameSpy that I found where they said it was... And quote, "Oh no. Uh-oh. A classic example of a company churning out a quick sequel to a good game and simply not giving it the love and care it really deserves.
1: Oh, I no. have so many opinions. <laughs> I'm going to keep them to myself.
2: Gamespy also said that one of the biggest flaws was allowing people to transfer their characters from other games, because this one, like when you did, it made the game too easy. They oh didn't like my... properly scale it, scale it or balance it to reflect reflect that... if people did that.
1: Oh, okay, so like at that point, like yeah, I got attached to my character, but
0: what's the fucking point now? If your character is just in this new environment, just wasting, just fucking wrecking everything. everything. Yeah,
2: it didn't feature auto mapping, which was a pretty big deal because the maps in it were like pretty massive. So as you were exploring, the game wasn't auto-mapping where you had been. You basically, if you wanted to map it, either needed a photographic memory, or you needed to have like graph paper sitting next to you while playing it, drawing the map yourself.
0: I mean, and I, I'm not saying that that wouldn't be fun in some other game, but you,
1: maybe, and you would need to market that, like yeah. saying this is a feature.
0: Yeah, this is a feature, not something that. Actively mm-hmm. could inhibit your enjoyment yeah. because I feel like that is like let's be honest that's realistic. But since it was such a stark change from the auto mapping of the previous two games, and like Taylor said, if you're gonna do that because you think it's cool, because it would be kind of cool in some video games, you market that as like part of it. And you, then you right. and then
1: you put some graphing paper in the <laughs> in the release, right? Yeah, like, like here's the... a bundle
2: of graphing paper for you. Here's a pencil. Go nuts. Or
0: there's, like, a coupon on it. <clears throat> like, you get $1 off this pack of this brand's graph
2: paper. Hell yeah. Um, the other thing was the graphics were actually worse than the previous games. Oh, no! Like, the graphics suffered, and it just got worse. It wasn't
0: great. Also, I have some opinions about that, but I'm gonna keep them to myself.
2: <laughs> uh, there was a review from the Computer Gaming World magazine in 1993. Mm-hmm. That basically reading through it just ended up saying, you know, they made the good improvements that people had asked for from the previous games, but at the, the cost
1: of everything else. At the
2: cost of everything else, like they said, the interior was pulled almost directly from the previous games with very little, if any, changes. Mm. So you were like looking at the same like interior stuff as you were in the last two games with minor changes. Opinions. It was <laughs> it was bad. Oh man! So
0: basically, it was like fourth edition. Yeah, like they did some cool stuff that some people wanted, but then they changed a lot of other a lot things of other that nobody, nobody... was things. the fourth edition of video games <laughs> that nobody else asked for. No, it's I think bad. we're I think we're presently in the fourth edition of video games.
2: Oh, Ooh, I'm kidding, kind of. So now we can go to Ravenloft. Yay! Yay! Cuz as it turns out and this was something that I was not aware of, there are games that are made in the Ravenloft campaign setting.
0: Yay! Yay! Well, okay.
2: There were two of them. I should yeah. I specify. Mean,
0: yeah, games, that's yeah, plural. There were two of them, There were so two yeah. of
2: them. They didn't like explore it a whole lot, but there were two of them. You had Ravenloft: Strahd's Possession, which was 1994. And then Ravenloft Stone Prophet, which was nineteen ninety
0: five.
2: Stone Prophet. Stone
0: Prophet. Okay, just not make sure.
2: stoned. Stone Prophet.
0: <laughs> okay, I thought it was. <laughs> I knew there wouldn't be, but it sounded <laughs> it. a little bit like you, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure. <clears throat> I see.
1: What's funny is I heard Stones Prophet, like the Stones Prophet, and I'm
0: like, oh, oh, I'm gonna okay. blame
2: the constant congestion here for that.
0: Okay. That's but funny.
2: also, the stoned prophet. A+. Plus. The stoned prophet. That could be fun, too. Uh, they were both made for MS-DOS and developed by Dreamforge Entertainment. Good name. And then published by SSI. Again, we have SSI coming in to...
0: Why does that sound... Oh, SSRI. That's why.
2: Yeah, it <laughs> sounded really familiar to me, too.
0: And then, yeah. And then I remembered. It's a very common class of drug.
1: <laughs>
2: Um, these were actually really good because they both actually featured spoken dialogue and voice acting in some versions of the games. So I already see the... Look, when I say some versions, yeah, initially launched it was floppy disk, and then they no converted it to CD-ROMs. Mm-hmm. The CD-ROM versions had the voice acting because they had the capacity to okay. house it. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, like
0: that. That's and that's <clears throat> actually really cool.
2: I know people don't think about floppy disks, but they were a thing. They uh, had games on them.
0: You know, I hope everybody. Well, see, I say this. This isn't me being like old person, but I hope everyone knows what floppy disks and CD ROMs are.
1: No, I I, I know for a fact that there are some people my brother's age that don't.
2: Yeah. Oh shit! I was gonna say I have talked to people that are like, "What's a floppy disk?" I'm like, "Oh, oh, honey." (laughs)
1: somebody 3d printed the save button (laughs) oh god oh Oh, no i can actually see that it's that was a thing that was a twitter post Okay, oh, no.
0: and if you're listening, like I'm not making fun of you, I'm making fun of us. Just because like,
2: we're old.
0: Just like just er. Google it. I mean, I'm pretty old. Just like Google it. Like it's okay if that was like before your time. It just kind like, of
2: we understand the progression of time. It's just to us, it's a little bizarre because yeah. I grew yeah. up playing a bowling game that my grandma had on a floppy disk. That every time I wanted to play it, I had to go to her house, borrow it from her. Take it back home, stick it in the computer and play it, and then take it out and return it back to her when I yeah. was done.
0: Like, I mean there's <laughs> there's stuff that like cassette tapes were pretty out of fashion. Yeah, by when, the time like, any of us were yeah. born. We're kids. Or well, we're kids. Yeah, but like so like we're not making fun of you, but just like we, 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 we're we are we are realizing we're old, we okay?
2: <laughs> so Stroud's Possession featured Tatiana. Tatiana. Probably somewhere. That's how that's how
0: he viewed her.
2: Oh, that was the joke. Yeah, uh, it featured three hundred and sixty degree first person viewing, which was pretty nice for the time. And it was uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons' first game to join like in on this whole three hundred and sixty. First-person viewing trend. Other games had had it, mm-hmm. but all the Dungeons & Dragons games up to this point didn't, so this one featured it. So, was it produced
0: by Microsoft? <laughs>
2: uh, stupid,
0: because 360? Stupid.
2: <laughs> well, Cause see... 360? <clears throat> oh, shit. See, here's the thing. What? No.
0: Um, <laughs> oh, damn it! I
2: just had to make a stupid joke about
0: the Xbox 360. Uh, damn it. <laughs>
2: And the CD versions of both games actually featured cinematics for the first time as well.
0: That's oh my awesome. god! What year was this again?
1: 1994 and
2: 1995. Damn. Which, if I recall, is also roughly around the time... I
1: was born. <laughs> well, two years before I was born.
2: Yeah. The first Diablo game was released? Uh, no, I could be wrong on that. Actually, Diablo 1 might not have been until, like, 2000s. Oh, no. It was 1997.
1: Okay, so roughly. Close.
2: Yeah, because it featured cinematics and mm-hmm. everything a year as well. A year after I was born.
1: I almost said a year after I was released. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
2: Coming sure. in 1996. That too, I guess. Taylor.
1: <laughs> uh, anyways.
2: <laughs> so in Strahd's possession, you are sent by Lord Delt, whom... What? D.H. <laughs> E-L-T, Lord <laughs> He's Delt. got them delts, though. <laughs> Maybe it's Helt. And he used to work
0: in a casino. Uh,
2: <laughs> oh. You're a servant to Lord Delt. Delt he Lord. sends you to recover a stolen holy symbol. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you somehow end up being transported to the mist-shrouded Barovia.
0: Yeah.
2: Where Strahd learns of your mission and invites you to his castle.
0: Mm-hmm. And don't trust like that. Don't Mm-mm. the whole. I know he. I know he's pretty sexy in Fifth
2: Edition, but don't. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: you don't want that.
2: The whole goal of it is to basically survive long enough to figure out who stole the symbol and to find a way out of Barovia. Yeah, that's basically the whole sort of that one.
0: That actually feels like it would be uh, a different level of like module in Ravenloft or not module but like actual campaign cuz we played um the murder house mm-hmm. yeah the like prequel to the the prequel to basically Like, that would be your introductory into Barovia, but that sounds like something that could be a different introductory, not lower level, because it sounds like you have a possibility of actually tangling with Strahd, but that sounds like just a straight campaign setting. Yeah, a little bit. Interpreted into a video
2: game. Uh, It probably was. I mean, a lot of these games, like the storylines behind them, were actually written by TSR game designers, Mm -hmm. like content designers, so they have that similar feel like you would if you were playing the tabletop game. Yeah. The thing with these games is the combat system was a little buggy. Um, It featured the whole, like, point and click to attack something, Mm -hmm. and your party would auto-attack from left to right. Mm -hmm. The only problem is each character would have a varying amount of, like, recovery time after they swing their weapon to, like, get ready to swing again Mm -hmm. based on their dexterity. And the reason why that caused such issue is because if your third character was ready to attack again before your second one or your first one, they would just stand there.
1: Oh. Because
2: it had to go from left to right, and the computer was reading the disk like, this person's ready to attack, but these two haven't attacked yet. Mm Mm-hmm. And it
1: would prevent
2: that. And it would prevent them from attacking. So you would run into times that, like, you were clicking to attack... And no one was attacking because you had one person that had the longest recovery time. So that made it a lot more difficult. I was going to say a little more difficult, but... Yeah.
1: We can be honest here. It's a lot. It was
2: a lot more difficult. But even still, it was fairly well received. I mean, there were good and bad things
0: about it. You know, I mean, it's Ravenloft. Come on. (laughs) Come on.
2: Come on. Um, People reviewed it and, you know, said the voice acting was really good. The only thing was in Game Bytes magazine. One of their reviews said the voice acting really good. The only issue was Strahd. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. They said the attempt to make him sound menacing and suave didn't quite come off right. Oh, please tell me they gave him a really (sighs) shitty, like... I really need to, like, go and try to find a soundbite or something Jokey of Jokey joke, it.
0: vampire accent, Taylor, and I both made eye contact and grabbed our phones.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Please so. tell me that's
0: what they did.
2: While you guys do that, I'm going to go into The Stone Prophet real quick. Okay. Uh, the Stone Prophet is the sequel, but it's not set in, like, the same place. This one, you're still a servant of Lloyd delt but instead he sends you to investigate a wall of fire that has... ...appeared out of nowhere. Blazeworm Called it. Done. Hmm. Probably. Investigating it somehow puts you in a desert called Har-Akir, which is a land that has been cursed by the last pharaoh and his high priestess. Your goal is to cleanse the cursed lands. It's got cursed mummies and undead and Mm -hmm. a lot of... Nasty shit. Fun stuff. It was kind of like Egypt. So... Okay, yeah, it was bad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We, listened. we, we took a
1: quick yeah. pause. It was it was it was bad. It was yeah, pretty we, bad. we had to know.
2: And also watching that did help me remember something that a lot of other people complain about too, was that the music volume compared to the speech volume was
0: yeah, a little barely... overpowering.
2: Yeah. yeah. So that was just another slight issue. But still, all in all, both of the games received like massed majority. Praise. Praise.
0: Yeah. And like the skipping around that I had to do to find the actual like introduction to Strahd, like the game looked pretty fun. Yeah, it looked good. It just
2: Yeah, it was featured in the top ten RPG games for the computer from PC Zone magazine. So they were still pretty good. Yeah. Nice. Uh in nineteen ninety-six there was a Me. <laughs> there was a you.
0: And there was also a Taylor. And there was also mm-hmm. a Taylor.
2: But there was also the AD&D Masterpiece Collection, which these games were both featured in. Nice. It was a collection of I think like five or six of the previous games, all in one. Nice. So I realized that uh, we're kind of getting close on our time here, but the it's last fine. thing that I yeah, had. Yeah, it's fine. The last thing I had written down here was for Neverwinter Nights. Yay! Um, I did skip a little bit ahead in the timeline of games being released to kind of get to Neverwinter Nights.
1: That's okay, because you made me very happy.
2: So, (laughs) uh, initially, when I first think of Neverwinter Nights, obviously I think of Bioware's... Oh, Oh, God, what was it like? There's like 15 games that BioWare released for it or something that have various Neverwinter Nights Mm -hmm. and something, something, something.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Subtitles. And while that's not wrong, there is actually still a Neverwinter Nights that was released before BioWare got to it that I didn't know of. So it was published in 1991. It was an MMORPG. What? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, it was published by SSI, Stormfront Studios, and AOL. Huh,
1: that's hmm. an interesting... America
2: Online. It's the same AOL everyone is thinking.
1: That's an interesting combo.
0: I, I don't think it's the same Stormfront that some people might be thinking. Yeah, it, I'm going to go with it's not. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting concoction, though.
2: It was weird, yeah. It was just, it was strange. But
0: can I say, like, a true, like, D&D-styled MMO sounds Fucking great. Yes.
2: And it was actually very well received. It was the first multiplayer online RPG game mm-hmm. that actually had graphics to display instead of just like text based. Wow. Because apparently there were a lot of MMO RPGs that were just text based.
0: Yeah, which like text-based games can be a lot of fun.
2: Yeah. Right. Um That's crazy. This one actually had graphics to it. It used the Goldbox engine, which I know I didn't cover earlier. The Goldbox engine is basically what like Pull of Radiance games mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. had. It was that engine that uh, SSI used for like most of their games after that. Yeah. They just called it the Goldbox engine. But it was from 1991 to 1997 because in July of 1997, AOL shut down the servers. Aww. No, rest in peace. They followed this with announcing that they would be launching a new games channel called World Play.
1: I'm sorry, in what year was this again?
2: 1997. And my understanding of, like, this games channel, because I could not find a whole lot about it. Is that it was kind of like they had a lot of games that you could play from one location. Like, one server, I guess you could pick different games to play on. Like, their own game channel. Kind of like Steam.
1: Okay. Mm
2: -hmm. But Neverwinter Nights was not going to be added to the list. Because it was out of date. And the graphics were failing behind all the upcoming ones. And...
1: I I will say, from my experience, you never say that to gamers about a cult classic... (laughs)
2: Yeah. Yeah. Also, I kind of feel like they missed out on a huge ability to, like, earn a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Because world play was going to cost $2 an hour to play on any of the games.
1: Excuse the fuck out of me?
2: Can you imagine having to pay $2 an hour to play an MMORPG? Can you imagine all the dedicated ones that would pay that? I don't even play MMOs for free. <laughs> like. No shade. I just, I'm not. I'll uh, be honest. I would have probably done that when I first started playing World of Warcraft. It, I in my loved, gaming days, I probably would have I it. loved the game so much that I was like, yeah, I would have probably went, okay, $2 an hour? Sure, I'll budget like $80 a month for this. Fuck it.
0: Well, and also, I'm just thinking of a few summers ago when I played Mass Effect for like 16 hours every day. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want to pay $2 an hour to play a video game, I would go broke. Uh, We work with a guy who,
1: and I'm not gonna say names, I'm not gonna call him out, but he was recently like, I don't even want to think about the amount of money that I have spent on World of Warcraft.
2: I don't want to think about the amount of money I spent on World you know of Warcraft. What? Yeah, we
0: we all know somebody who would have volu- who would have gone along with this. See, the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm like, I would play. I would pay two dollars an hour to play some video games.
2: Yeah, I'm just not
0: a huge fan of MMOs because I hate interacting with other people. So,
2: which is why I feel like they lost out on a pretty big profit because people would have done it at that point. I believe they said that during like their peak hours, Neverwinter Nights had. What was it like? Two thousand players online. Oh my god! So you know, back in hour. the early, that's four thousand dollars an hour. Back in yeah,
0: early. I mean, that's if 90s, they would have charged for, early late nineties. Yeah.
2: That's so a the nineties. Yeah, um, yeah, the nineties, with the exception of the mid nineties. No one
0: was really playing in the mid nineties. Nah.
2: nah, that would have been a lot of money. Yeah, just saying. Damn.
0: Whoa, um, <laughs> Travis, we didn't plan that. This just didn't. happened.
2: Uh, BioWare got the rights to Neverwinter Nights. a Night pretty much after AOL said we're done with it. And their series started to come out in 2002, which was for the computer, you know, Windows, Mac, uh, Mac and Linux. I just mixed Mac and Linux together to form Macs. Max, (laughs) Windows (laughs) Mac. The greatest collaboration of the century. And Linux. And all of those games, from my understanding even now, have almost always been well received. It's
1: time for Taylor's Opinion. It's always time for Taylor's
2: Opinion. So, hold that thought. No. (laughs) Real quick before we go into Taylor's Opinion Corner. Just wanted to get this out there. When it was released, like the first one, Mm -hmm. it was released with a campaign that could be played either single player or multiplayer. Mm Mm-hmm. It had the Aurora tool set, which was the engine that the game ran off of, that was released with it that you could use to create custom content. People, (gasps) Mm -hmm. like Die Hard, Mm -hmm. MMO era, Neverwinter Nights, took that engine, basically recreated numerous aspects of the original, Mm -hmm. and had servers set up for people to play the old MMORPG version of it again. God, I love people. And I want to say that the last server of that one finally shut down in, like, 2016. It was
1: surprisingly recent. Yeah, it was
2: fairly recent. Fuck,
1: I love people.
2: I have the list of games for it, but it's quite a bit of a list. So, let's go into Taylor's opinion corner. (gasps) Okay, so first of all,
1: Neverwinter Nights is... (laughs) By all definitions, a cult classic. I loved Neverwinter Nights before I even knew that it had anything to do with Dungeons & Dragons. I
2: personally have actually never played it. Neither have I.
1: It's very good. Um, It is not the first Bioware game I played, by any means, but it was very good. And um, like you said, it is well-loved for a number of reasons. I mean, is it cult, though? Like, really? Yes. Okay. Yes. Like, um, you will find people... Like, cult classic is kind of one of those definitions that I think basically means it's an underappreciated, but the people who do appreciate it are, like, okay. obsessed with it. Think, like, Firefly. It got canceled really early. Oh, man. So, like, the people who love it are obsessed with it. Oh, okay. Because... Yes. Okay.
2: And I have talked to a lot of people, including our friend Matt... He loved Neverwinter Nights, too. Yes. A lot of people that I've talked to, if I mention Dungeons & Dragons, they're like, oh, you mean Neverwinter Nights. I'm like, well, yes. Somewhat, yes. Like, yes, that is D&D, mm-hmm. but I have never actually played it. so mind. Uh,
1: it, it was very good. Uh, like, like I said, people still have, like, fond memories of it. People are introducing it to their friends, even, like, today, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. My actual, and do you mind if I derail this a little bit? Go for it. Okay, so my actual first introduction into Bioware games and therefore Neverwinter Nights, and somewhat, that's how it got to D&D, was a game that Bioware released in 2003 called Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Oh, yeah. In case yet you didn't <laughs> notice from the beginning, it's not a Dungeons and Dragons game, it's a Star Wars game.
2: Yeah, but if the title didn't give it away. It... it- is based off of the D20 system.
1: Yes, because of the open gaming license and everything else, Star Wars began to utilize the D20 system for their own role playing games, and then for their role playing video games. And um, the the D20 system basically um, inspired like all of these amazing games. Like once it became an open license, mm-hmm. and um, so I played Star Wars: Ninth of the Old Republic fucking extensively that's actually probably the game that got me into gaming
2: so actually since you mentioned that and i knew you were going to mention it which is why i have this little note here interesting about that is when bioware made knights of the old republic Mm -hmm. it was a modified version of the aurora engine
1: Okay.
2: The Odyssey engine that it ran off of is just a modified version of the engine that Neverwinter Nights used.
1: Oh, that's fucking awesome. Uh,
2: Same for the sequel, the Sith Lords used it as well.
1: Because the Sith Lords, like, I loved that game too, but for the most part, it was kind of just like they didn't update the gameplay system at all. Anyways, (laughs) um... (laughs)
2: Um, Bioware also used the, well, they used Neverwinter Nights and its toolset as well to develop the initial, like, prototypes and mock-ups of various, like, areas and scenarios for Dragon Age Origins as well. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. they took this Aurora engine when they made Neverwinter Nights, and as they've released multiple, like... Titles. Mm-hmm. They've that, used a modified version of this engine for a lot of them,
0: which is
1: fucking awesome. <laughs> that, like, that's kind of the point I was getting to. Like, so Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic, specifically, ended up introducing me to gaming, and I was like, I loved the d20 system, even when I didn't understand it as well. Because <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you noticed by the fact that I was born in 1996, but I didn't understand it very well in
0: 2003. I mean. I played KOTOR when I was, like, well, part of KOTOR, I haven't finished it, when I was, like, 20, and I struggled but immensely. <laughs> so.
1: But I, I fell in love with the way it was laid out as much as I could, that I remember as, like, a fucking 10-year-old playing through the game again and again and again, thinking, why can't every game be like this? <laughs> yeah.
0: Also, well, um, I still haven't finished KOTOR. I'm sorry, Taylor. It's okay. It's not okay.
1: And then I played 3.5 edition, and I later got Travis to play KOTOR, and he was looking at it, and we're like, oh, my God, this is just 3.5.
2: Yeah, a lot of the rules that they use, especially for, like, dual wielding and, like, double attacks and a lot of defense and stuff is 3.5 rules. Yeah, yeah like to a T. Basically.
1: Uh, But, yeah. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. The point I was actually getting to was... This has made me wonder how many games that have just been so inspired by Dungeons & Dragons, and specifically the D20 system, that, like, wouldn't exist without this.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's been very influential to... A lot video of games. video games.
0: Yeah. I remember it we
2: changed the course of it basically. Yeah.
1: We played Divinity, uh
2: Divinity, Divinity, Original Sin, mm-hmm. Pathfinder Kingmaker. I mean obviously right. just because it's, it's yeah. Pathfinder.
1: But like um all these games that we've recently played that are like D twenty based. Yep. And I guarantee you, if thank you guys, if you stuck around and listened, um there are People listening who probably have their own favorite game that, like, either they know or they don't know is D20-based. Yeah. I actually tried looking for a list, but I couldn't find one.
2: Yeah, we might have to do a little bit more of a extensive, extensive search to try to find it. Because I was like, we're trying to find something just a little
1: broad more broad like, than just Dungeons and Dragons games yeah, yeah and we were trying to easier. do it just like
2: what an hour or so before starting this recording yeah so
1: but either way we wouldn't have had time to go into that all that anyways the whole point right. is like <laughs> I fucking love Dungeons okay. and Dragons
2: I have one more thing that I found completely shocking to me whenever I was looking at Neverwinter Nights oh boy okay. you might you might want to sit down So, apparently there was a mobile release of Neverwinter Nights. I did not know this. Excuse me? Um, it was called Neverwinter Nights Mobile. It was Hmm. released in 2004, and... Was obviously for the phone. I see you both looking at your phones and gonna go look it up. Let nope. me stop you. Okay. And the Play Store. Because that one I found no other information on.
1: Just the fact that it existed?
2: Yes. There is, however, which you're about to find, the Neverwinter Nights Enhanced Edition for that $9. is $9.99. $10. <laughs> it was released December 4th, 2018. It's on the Google Play market. It's on iPhone. I don't remember what the hell that store is called.
0: The Apple Store. The Apple yeah, Store.
2: It was developed by Beamdog. Nice name. And it's rated E10 for ages 10 and up. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: <laughs> this, this episode
1: is not sponsored?
2: Not at all.
0: <laughs> I just literally have it open
2: and I'm looking at but it. But it's also, I believe, on Steam as well. Mm-hmm. But I find it hard to believe that there's a game on a mobile device That And they say this, if you look at it, has a 100 plus hours of Dungeons & Dragons adventures on this mobile game. I can't imagine playing a game on my phone that much, in all honesty. I can't ever get too far into mobile games. I'll start playing them and then I'll forget. Mm -hmm. Taylor and I are both making faces because we're the opposite. And I know that people can. I just couldn't do it. Now, the fact that I spent $10 on it if I was going to buy it to play it. I would, would probably, probably make yeah, a yeah. point to do it, but
1: and I know lots of people who who do like even way more than me. I've I mean, okay, I'll admit that I've spent some money on Pokemon Go. Yeah,
0: I have to. I uh, have also recently,
1: but like uh, I've heard of people pouring like tons of time and money into mobile games. So I mean, that's not surprising.
2: Yeah, then, it's just I don't know. I, I have such a, such a hard time like thinking of playing a. D20 system-based game, or Dungeons & Dragons TSR-licensed game on my phone. First of all, my phone would probably die way too much because I would be playing it too often. (laughs) Probably. Uh, Secondly, I would not get any of my research done.
1: And that's the biggest crime here. Or my
2: planning done, for that matter.
1: That's actually a bigger crime. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But that's all I have for (laughs) this particular... Topic. Topic episode video game. I guess again it depends on video if James. this is received well and people want to hear more of the gaming history behind Dungeons and Dragons. Fantastic. I will go back through and do it again because I found a lot of stuff I didn't know about.
0: Right. How many, how many true gamers are listening? Let <laughs> us know.
2: Oh, uh, please don't. Don't 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 call people out like that. That's not good. <laughs>
0: Hey, it's a well-known fact that 9 out of 10 gamers are gamers. Sorry. Can't handle facts. (laughs) Anyway, um, if you
1: didn't like this episode, I mean... That's fair. That's fair. Let us know that, too, because, I mean...
0: Then we'll just make sure Travis never does it again.
1: Yeah, well, that for one. (laughs) And for two, we'll keep that in mind going forward if we find other things that might be of the similar vein. Like Travis said at the beginning, all media...
2: Which yeah. there have been various TV shows and movies. There's actually a movie in the making right now that's yeah. supposed to come out next year for I Dungeons don't, and Dragons. I know if any
0: of y'all knew that. Yeah. I remember us, like, talking about it, but... Nope,
2: it's scheduled for release next year.
0: That was after I had made a joke about, like, a really bad D&D movie. Mm-hmm. Like, with, um... I'm not gonna name any names, but that really bad, like, pandering kind of style mm-hmm. where they're like... Oh, yeah, this is so nerd culture when it feels like they just pander by making a, you know, really obvious, well-known reference every now and again. And they're like, oh, yeah, this is so in tune to nerd
2: culture when it's really not. Yeah. You know what I mean? uh it's scheduled for release november 19th of 2021 so
0: you'll find our full review for it on now, i'm kidding
2: <laughs> honestly if it ends up like the other ones of the same name it's gonna be bad we'll i can see. tell you that right now but anyway we're not gonna go into that right now um thank you everyone for listening especially if you stuck through this far to hear us ramble on about
0: yeah i thought it was really interesting taylor's first. opinion taylor's, <laughs> taylor's opinion i thought it was really
1: interesting personally I, I I also enjoyed it. Again, it's kind of up to the fans. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, it is something different. So, like, I could see why this maybe wouldn't work for somebody. But I thought it was interesting. Yeah. And I hope right. at the very least, even if this wasn't your favorite format of an episode we've done so far, I hope you at least learned something. Yeah, I did. Because it's Me too.
2: still Dungeons & Dragons history. It's still a part of the game. It's just not real, a part of... It's
0: just real history.
2: Real yeah. world lore. It's just not a part of playing the tabletop also, version.
0: Also known as history. Anyway.
2: Anyway, uh, if you have anything that you want to suggest for a topic or in this case, if you want to tell us, hey, I really liked it. Or hey, this fucking sucks. Or hey, I'm that kidding. wasn't good, <laughs> like that's not what I want to hear. Let us know. Let us know. Yeah. Email awesome. us on
0: social media, tweet us, email us. Email
2: us, yeah, podcast at com because we need to hear everybody's opinion. I don't want to just hear the good. I want to hear everything.
0: Or yeah. if you have maybe some, you know, experiences with... Video games like this, like Neverwinter Nights or other games based on the D twenty system, we would also really love to hear those.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, because I'm sure that there
2: are other like niche games that have we've this never heard of, sort yeah. of like yeah. system that yeah we just don't know about. So if you know of some,
1: yeah, let us. Send know. I mean, part us. of the open gaming license is the fact that you can take the <clears throat> open gaming license and incorporate it into any video game of any level of production that you want. Yeah. So, so there are probably tons of indie games.
2: Oh, yeah. There's probably so many indie games that have a system for D20 or maybe. based on...
0: I mean, maybe someone who developed one is listening to this. Yeah. And, and then well, we can promote your indie game. Your video game, if it's good.
2: But, yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm kidding. Um. Yeah, let us know about all that because we're just... we We want to know. Yeah. Everything. But- we want to know it all. We want to be like Beholders and know it all.
1: Oh, yes. Yes, exactly. But in the meantime, thank you guys so much for listening. And we're going to catch you next week with a more regular episode here on Dungeonpedia.
2: Ooh, games.
0: I mean. It's always time for Taylor's Opinion. It's
2: always. And
0: it's always time for video games. Video games. Video games.